Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. You know, growing up 30 minutes outside of New York City, even that 30 minutes can feel like worlds away. And the truth is we were not in the five boroughs of Manhattan. We did not grow up in these circles. We were outsiders. We, we didn't say you're. We, we admired and obsessed over hip hop from afar. And Rick Ross is one of those people who we essentially grew up with. You know, this this Miami rapper who lived a life so, so far from ours was still a part of our lives because we were downloading his mixtapes. I, I remember where we were when we got Nike Airs and Crisp Tees. I remember where we were and SUNY Purchase when we were driving around in circles just blasting hustling over and over making our own music video for it just trying to be a part of it in our own little way even moving into the city and making inroads as we have over the last 12 years rick ross while we've been you know around him on red carpets or in different buildings still seems like this larger than life far away entity we we had a song on our album called Jews for Jesus Peace Remix where we had a whole verse dedicated to Ross and his ad-libs and, and his absence. Yeah, his, how much we wanted him on the song. We, we sold a TV show to MTV, a scripted show, and that whole pilot was based around our burgeoning friendship with Rick Ross. And over all these years, I think you get to a point where when you don't get that verse and the TV show doesn't get made and maybe you've asked to have Ross on the podcast once or twice or a dozen times when maybe it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen and certainly not on our terms. You know, there's a lot of artists out there who don't make it up to the Upper West Side to sit with us. There's a lot of artists who don't make it to the Upper West Side to sit with us for an extended period of time. And furthermore, there's a lot of artists who will not come to the Upper West Side, not sit with us for an hour and a half, and not open up the way that Rick Ross did. And for that, we are over the moon and so appreciative to Ross and his team. I mean, he showed up by himself. That was big. He that, showed that up by big. himself. He didn't have a time limit. He he was just he was here. It was uh it was Thursday night right before he dropped his song with Drake and I mean, it was dope. He was revealing. He was he showed a different side to himself than I think we thought that he would. You know, we're we're guys who have known so much about him, but to actually get this conversation, I think is I'm really pleased with it. Yeah, there's a reality to being a celebrity, and there's a reality to being a music legend, and a lot of that comes with barriers. Sunglasses, canned answers, and a limit to access. He didn't have any of that. This is someone who talked about his youth, talked about his mortality, talked about his understanding of his own status, and there were no holds barred. Shout out to Tommy for taking the pictures, and shout out to Zach and Johan who were here to video it. This is a, a really meaningful 
podcast episode to us, and we know that you guys are going to enjoy it as well. And hopefully we can get him back here. You know, if there's anything I've learned with uh, people here on the podcast, it's that their word is their bond. Mm -hmm. So Currency, who said he's going to give us his Rockefeller chain, mm -hmm. that stands. Yeah, that's that's still coming. So so that's going to happen, and uh, Ross is going to come back on the podcast. Huge. Once you put in the atmosphere, things happen. That's right. Well, yeah. look at us now. Yeah. Jeff, if people enjoyed this episode with Rick Ross, do you have three more that they may want to listen to? Episode number 167 with Wiz Khalifa, episode number 108 with Charlie Wilson, and episode number 10 with Gunplay. By the way, don't forget to subscribe, rate, comment, all that good stuff. Anywhere you're listening to this episode, if you're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever, CastBox, go download all of our episodes, old and new. They're all there. Also, you can subscribe to our newsletter on itstherial.com. Go cop some merch there today as well. Jeff, when do you want to get into this episode? Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Caspian, Adriatic, and Mediterranean, a.k.a. Triple C's. Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. Get Top on the Phone, a.k.a. Kendrick Multitasking. Yo, what's up? It's the biggest boss in the game, a.k.a. Tempe Shorty, a.k.a. Chili Dog, Buford, and a large fry with a red slut. Yes, your third favorite podcast, The Waste of Time with It's The Real. Grenade. Rose, what's happening? Man, you already know, feeling good, quarter minus two. Yo, August 9th. August 9th. Congratulations. Much love. We love Port of Miami 1. Oh, man. We saw Bantu Thompson say the greatest things about what he heard the other night, and we can't wait for this album to come out. We know you've been working on it for a while. Yeah. A lot of different incarnations. Yeah. How you feeling? I feel wonderful, man. I feel wonderful. You know, it just feel good to really get the streets what you know they deserve. So me naming the album Port of Miami 2, I think title in the album Port of Miami 2 after, you know, the significance of one, the, just the challenge to me really excited me and motivated me. And I think remaining a dope artist and continue to grow is, you know, by the time you at your 10th album, you have to create new things, do things a little different because where we at in the game, we can't do the goofy shit. Mm. And that's what trends now. And that's what a lot of people do to get the hit records is do the goofy shit. We can't do that. We just gotta keep remaining creative and dope. And you do shit that lasts. Yeah, that's the whole name of the game. That's what it's about to me. Quality. You still got the same energy when you perform those records from the first album? Fuck yeah. Yo. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I just was at the Complex Con and just, yo, cut the music down and, you know, I'm going to rap a little bit, but y'all rap the rest of that <laughs> yeah, shit. You know what I'm Just that type of vibe, and it, it feel good. Yeah. You're not there with a drink in your hand? Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> listen, live it up. By the way, we have an entire refrigerator full of Bel Air Rosé right yeah. now. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. We're going to enjoy some of that. That's right. So, I heard the story behind Hustlin', right? It's the runner's record. It gets to you. You said that... You heard the record, and you drove three hours to get to a Trina show. Right. You wrote the first verse. Right. And what happened when you showed up and you put that record on? I showed up to the Trina uh, performance. It was in Tampa, Florida. It took me three hours to drive there. I actually got the beat, heard it, and said, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, I done wrote the dope beats, but that was different. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Every day I'm, I said, Whoa. Back that shit up. And yeah, I'm going to this Trina show. I'ma just drive up here. She let me open up and I just leave. So I wrote the first verse. 
who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the fucking boss. I was like, that's the only thing that's going to sound right on this shit. So by the time I got to Tampa and they was going to let me open up, I told the DJ, you just press play on track number one. And I went out there and I rapped the first verse. Who the fuck you think you? And I'll never forget it. Whoever homeboy was, I pray bless wherever he at. I pray alive and he living free. Because it was a dude standing maybe two times as far as where that counter was at. And it seemed like he was just standing there. He seemed like he was alone. And he was just staring at me in a way I never seen nobody look at me while I was rapping before. While I was on stage, he looked at me in a way. And I just remember looking at him. And I said, damn, I'm finna finish this now. So soon as I left, I just went back to writing on the way home. Yeah, that was special. Yo, that's, that's a life-changing record. You better believe it, without a doubt. So you're a Miami artist. You got a lot of up-tempo. You got a lot of fast styles. You're doing something different. Right. That record couldn't be more different from Miami artist. Right. How was that accepted down there? They jumped right on it. Who was the first DJ? Um, you know, Khaled and the whole squad in Miami jumped right on it. Soon yeah. As I, soon as I sent it out because the streets knew exactly what that was, who it was coming from, and what it meant. Were you a known guy in Miami at, at that point? Most, I was most definitely known in, on the street surface. Mm-hmm. You know, if you were somebody who was out somewhere, and you may have not knew about me. But if you came into the trenches, mm-hmm. they most definitely knew about me. How did you meet um, hip-hop? Um, hip-hop as in? Kiambo Joshua. Uh, yeah, I bet the homie through one of my homies named Red, one of my homies Josh, um, hip-hop. The whole squad used to come around. I always used to end up around, you know, Rockefeller um, dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I started hanging around. Hop was telling us that you you were freestyling with uh, Young Chris and Freeway yeah, and Petey uh, Crack at Circle House. The whole, the whole state property. Um, I ended up in the studio with them. You know what I'm saying? I'm just chilling. You know what I'm saying? I got my rollie on. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they, you know, they know it's official. <laughs> and I just some kind of way got in the mix start freestyling and everybody went to spitting balls i kept going back and forth and by the time freeway got back to new york he did a freestyle and was saying my name and the freestyle and that shit just that really inspired me who was a better beard you or freeway um you know of course i know mine looked the best. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Free Free was was an icon with the beer game. Yeah. You gotta salute him because he stepped out there early with the beer game. And his was always iconic. So, you know, that's my dog. Shout out to Free. Yo, by the way, we were outside of the self-made two listening up here in New York at Sin City. We were online going in and some dudes were behind you having an argument for like a long time. A debate. About who is the best beers in hip hop? <laughs> Stolly was on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were at the Free. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Ross. So yeah, they know they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those was wise dudes. Yeah, the wise dudes. This morning, you know how I knew it was gonna be a good day. I and I swear to God, this is true. I went to go get my coffee from across the street, and in between me and the coffee shop was a seven forty five white on white. I Ooh. promise you, right there. That's what you were pushing. 
back then. Better believe it. What does it mean for a young man from Carroll City, Florida to drive around a car like that? Oh, man. Anything was possible. Anything. Anything was possible. And that's what that was about. Because when I was coming up as a youngster, nobody really had much. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lot. You know what I'm saying? My father, God bless his soul, he had, I forgot what year Buick that was. You know what I'm saying? We called it old Scrappy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um, my homie Jabbar, his father had a 500 SEL Mercedes. Mm. I was maybe this tall. The headlights on it had windshield wipers. Then the windshield had wipers. <laughs> and I just remember looking at it like, you know, whatever I got to do to obtain this, I'm going to do it mm. because I could keep it cool and have a Buick. Uh, <laughs> I done rode in this Buick long enough. It's, you know, and that was just really the motivation. And the white on white came from as a youngster when the Dolphins left where they practiced that. They had to come down my street in Richmond Webb. He played left tackle. I'll never forget his name. <laughs> And wherever he had, I wish I could meet him one day. I pray bless. He had a white on white 500 um, Tudor, the white one with the white rims on it. That's where that come from. Mm. So if you Google him mm -hmm. and see whatever year that was, that's when he fucked my head up with that white on white. Wasn't there somebody who came through with like a $150,000 car to, the, to where you were living? Shit, my homie Jabbar Dad. Mm. That's who had money on our block. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. His dad still serving a, um, I want to say a 30 year sentence right now in the federal penitentiary. And Jabbar just came home mm. a few years ago. So, you worked at a car wash, right? What kind of cars came through there? Um, dope boys. That's who came. It was very seldom that a just working lady come, because where we was at. If you just was a working lady or a working household, you wash your own car. What were you doing at the car wash? So I was at the car wash, and the ones who pulled up was hustlers. Yeah. And old school verts, Cadillacs, Benzes. And what we was, I was washing cars at was right in front of the flea market. So they would pull up, park the car, then go in the flea market, go shopping, go buy Bally's, Suede Bally's. Yeah. You know, Clarks, all yep. the jewels, you know, all the Get right. shit from back then. And when they came back, they had all the bags and... You know, I had your shit back then. I put gas in it if you need it. Whatever you need it. How'd they tip? Oh, lovely. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Because the car wash only pays you $30 a day from 8 in the morning to 8 at night. Mm. So whatever you got tip-wise was you got $30 and you lived off tips, so you better go hard. Yeah. Yeah. When you were washing those cars, you ever press play on those stereos? Not really. Okay. <laughs> I never I never really fucked with nobody belongings. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was real firm on that. You know what I'm saying? So how did you first like get introduced to like hip hop on a on a national level? Shit, man. I grew up with, you know, in it my whole life. Mm -hmm. My whole life as far back as I could remember. You know, I grew up in a household where my mom and my dad really played vinyl records the same way I collect them now. They really played vinyl records. So I've been hearing Johnny Taylor and all of these people my whole life. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I could, when I make those lush sounding mm -hmm. R&B feeling records that yeah. come from that Teddy Pendergrass probably before I could even talk. Mm. I remember the first instrumental I ever wrote raps to and I may have wrote to the same instrumental for a year. 
it was centipede centipede that was my mom's and i and and if i'm willing to bet you i haven't listened to that record in so long if you take that record i'm willing to bet you you would be able to sync it up to a lot of my verses right now because that's i just and once i wrote my first verse to it i just kept writing to that same beat so who were you as a young man? Like, how did you express your creativity? Um, you, you know, I was in a neighborhood where you could, do, you could do that. You could express yourself any way you wanted to, you know, and that's what um, my upcoming memoir, that's what I talked about. I talked about growing up in a neighborhood was, you know, that was full of savages and I never called them bullies. I called them my big homies because the difference with me and other dudes was, um, in my in my memoir, I spoke of this. Mm-hmm. Hurricanes. I, hurricanes. I had I had one of my big homies on the block where him, his older cousin, used to catch the bus from another part of the city called Overtown. Mm-hmm. And all they used to tell me about, I used to sit back and they used to just talk about how they wanted to go get a new gold tooth every week. You know what I'm saying? How we gonna get the money? They, you know, I would hear them discussing different ways of, for both of them to go get a new gold tooth every week until they had eight at the top and eight at the bottom. And so these dudes, um, everybody feared them. They made me and my homeboy fight all the time. And when we came over to their house, you know, they may have been 14, 15, I might've been eight or nine, you know, we used to come in their house, and I remember the first time they ever did this to me. One of them put a clothespin on my nipple, on my chest, and said, you got to take 60 seconds or, you know, I'm going to put these hands on you. Like it's the Marines or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was that type of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> and these was the OGs that we, you know, we looked up to. They taught us how to fight the football games at the park on Fridays. They'll go, and every week they started a fight. That's what they looked forward to. And so I never forget, I was like, 60 seconds ain't nothing. <laughs> Man, I got the 15 seconds. <laughs> My eyes started tearing up. <laughs> Yo, don't do me like that. See what I'm saying? And he like, you know, you just gonna have to fight your homie. And I was like, I'd rather do that. Take mm-hmm. it off. Mm-hmm. You know, I knocked it off. And me and my homie really did have to fight. But the reason I loved them is because when I look back, back then, they was really showing us and teaching us different things. Other people from other places, they took their belongings. If you came down there, come here. Let me holler at you. Let me get that. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even consider that a robbery because you didn't get hurt. Right. Just be happy you went home. And they never did that to me. So I always looked at it as I got older, like, yo, my homie showed me a lot of love. You know, they made me. So I was much more aggressive in different areas than people my age because the dudes I kicked it with was much older than me. But that's just how I came up. So you could express yourself any way you want to. And that's why I was always like that in music. If it was anything I wanted to say, I felt nobody could stop me because nobody was built the way I was built or from where I'm from mm. or seen what I really seen. It's really a difference. Um, I do want to talk about uh, Neil, who was writing your book. Right. Um, he was living, he was basically living with you. Right. What was that like? Um, you know, like I told Neil, at first, when we first started doing the book thing, 
I really was talking to him very little, even though he was around me every day. I thought Neil was an FBI agent. <laughs> I finally told him that. <laughs> yeah, I did. Just the way he asked his questions? No, just, I was like, yo, <laughs> something ain't right about this. Rose don't do this. You know what I'm saying? But me being in the hospital made me want to step on the gas for certain, certain things. Because mm -hmm. I know it was certain entities that was in interested in an autobiography and possibly making it a film. And when I went through what I went through in the hospital, I was like, this is something I usually wouldn't have did, but I'm gonna do this because I want to tell my story. So yeah, at first I really wasn't kicking it with homie. <laughs> and um, you know, he, he came across a health situation the, the same way I did. And he ended up in the hospital, you know, and his situation was real. And when he came back, that's when I had that talk with him. I was like, you know what, homie? I thought you was the fit. I'm going to talk to you. Now. And he's like, oh, my God. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, so we got who, it. Who, who found him for you? Um, I forgot who it was. It was a couple people, you know, that um, who names were put on the, the list for me to consider. Mm -hmm. You know, and the, the, one of the last books I read from one of my homies was, of course, Gucci Mane book. Mm -hmm. And I just felt the presentation was done right. You know, of course, I felt my content would take me in a different direction. But I liked how the rollout was done, you know, and it was uh, a, a bestseller. Yeah. So that was cool. And, you know, I knew that whoever wrote my book would have to have a, a certain amount of patience and really want to write a book, not because I want them to write the book. Right. But they would really want to, and that's who. After I, you know, sat down and kicked it with them, I There's, decided to go with. I remember on Instagram, uh, you took a night and went through all these old photographs, like right. like actual like prints of them, and you're going back and you're telling, oh, this is my man from this day and age. Mm -hmm. This is my dad. This is me. You know, I was an All American football player. I was here. I was here, and. I think what was very meaningful about it was how heartfelt your descriptions were because you lived this life and here is proof of the life you lived. Yo, I was really out here wearing this watch at this club. Yo, I was really out here doing this. I was really out here. Yo, I think that's what make me just all of the, the, the questions that surround me I think that's what really make me unique. I think if it happened any other way, it's just, and the life I really did live is unbelievable. And for me to still be here, God is great. And I, I say that with a certain level of passion. And the cool thing about for me being at album number 10 is, I don't know if them niggas believed me when I said, boy, I'm a boss. I'm gonna show y'all I'm the biggest. You know, I, it could have just been rap talk or whatever, but the difference between me is I really believe that. I really meant that. Was I the biggest boss when I said it? Nah. I was speaking from a perspective of letting you know where I was finna go. Mm. And was it nothing or nobody gonna stop me? And don't get it fucked up. If somebody do, I'ma show them a certain level of repercussions they have never dealt with. Because we get down a different type of way. Trust me, ain't nobody on this level. And I really thought nobody would ever question me. And really, honestly, they haven't. Honestly, ain't, ain't nobody really step on Rose toes on some gangster shit. Mm -hmm. Nah, all the internet talking and all that, that shit fake. They, they avoid me. Fuck a That's blog dog, because one day we're going to meet. 
And I, I really, because, you know, I feel like by, at this point, you could book me and I come to your mama house. <laughs> and I done been everywhere. But I'm not even on that because I know you don't want that problem. But when you were going through the rough time on the internet, when like the CO stuff was coming out and all that stuff, was that personally a dark time for you though? Not really. It's because where I'm from and people who know me, <laughs> they the lame ones. They was laughing at niggas on the internet. And that's what, because that was new to us, the internet and because where we was from, nobody, you're not really gonna say nothing out of line and wave your hand. It just wasn't like that. You know what I'm saying? The big homies that gave me game and showed us, you know, they was featured on America's Most Wanted and it hurt me to say that. Mm -hmm. You know, by the time my big homie was 26, he was estimated worth was $80 million. So when I used to talk about a lot of things I, I was speaking about, I know it almost sound unbelievable. Like when I say, boy, I know Noriega, the real Nor, I was speaking of, was it Manuel Noriega from Nicaragua? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was speaking of the Noriega I knew. That when you walked in the house and the door opened, you had to step like this. Because <laughs> there was nowhere to push your feet down. That was the Noriega I knew. And to me, that was realer than any other Noriega. And whoever was from Car City know what I was talking about. They knew what it was. You talk about real shit in your records. Do you feel... No, but like really. like like, What's the Raphael Sadiq song at the end of Teflon Don? When you're talking about your dad. Right. Um, that's real shit. Very. What made you think that like your songs couldn't fully speak on that, but in the book you can describe it at length? It's because my songs that I've made up to this point, I never um, damn near died. I mean, motherfuckers done attempt, you know, it's something else. Niggas try to kill you or whatever, and you survive, and it's several times. And I never ran away. I never moved from my city. I bought more real estate. I was going to do that anyway. But me going through what I went through health-wise, you know, I done had seizures before. My seizures, I wasn't born an epileptic, but my seizures came from not getting rest, right. drinking codeine, and staying up on an average of 20 hours a night till where my body just couldn't take it. But it would be the type of seizure I could have a seizure and 10 minutes later, I'd be up, let me get a blunt. Psh, let's finish the show, let's finish the record, whatever. But the last time I went to the hospital was different. I had a seizure and I was laying in a way where something came up but went back down in me, you see? So they had to rush me to the hospital. They rushed me to the hospital and just me being who I was and you know, the doctors, you know, they familiar with me. They put me on the floor where the glass, you know, the, the walls are all glass where they could really see like every client. Like a fishbowl. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you were basically like a test case. So, you know, they put me up there just to give me the best treatment and where the best doctors wouldn't have to come down on the floor. But that's where you either had a heart attack or yeah. something with your brain. And that's where that came from, where they assumed I had a heart attack. That wasn't the case, you know. Mm -hmm. I was at the hospital two or three days later. But... That just me waking up, my, all my homeboys in there, you know, I just looked at everything a little different. This ain't just regular. This shit could have really went bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, when the, when the first seizure hit, were you afraid? Nah. Were your kids afraid? Nah. And the reason they was, you know, they weren't there. 
So when I had my first seizure, when I got up, uh, I was actually on a Delta flight. And when I got up, the, the stewardess was standing right next to me, and I looked at her. She didn't seem too panicky, but one of my homeboys walked up, and they was like, come on, we got to get off the plane. They say you had a seizure. I was like, a seizure? Look at me. The fuck is you talking about? Hmm. And so I called my jet guy. 45 minutes later, I was on a jet. And on this jet, 30 minutes later, after I went to sleep again, mm -hmm. I had another seizure. Right. So it wasn't like I was seizing as I'm sitting up here like a normal epileptic could. But as soon as I went to sleep, it's like my body just, you know. And so, you know, they landed in Alabama, whatever the you know situation was. But I'll be right back. You know, I'll be right back. And I really wasn't at first taking my medicine away. I, I wasn't taking this shit serious at first. But after this going on two and three years, and then when I had the last situation, I said, this shit real, I got to get right. Yeah. Ross, you felt the pain of a, of a lot of people's passing in your life. Right. Um, your father, mm -hmm. Shakir Stewart, mm -hmm. uh, Peanut, mm -hmm. Black Bow, Black Bo. Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey. Um, and on and on. How did those lives ending not put you in a place where you were like, yo, this is, this is temporary and every day is a gift? You know, it's just one of those things. Um, it's unfortunate as it sounds. I grew up watching people die, watching me lose people, and it always felt like the best dudes get, you know, taken first. And that's something we used to always say. We used to look around, these fucking pedophiles live for 200 years. But the, the ones who got the most morals in it, it's damn. You know what I mean? But um, you got to learn to keep going. Something we used to hear as youngsters, the show must go on. And that's really what it is. And that really should drive you even more because we got more of a, a purpose to do what we do. Who do you do this for? Really, um, you just said a lot of the names as well as the list goes on. And me waking up in the hospital is the reason why I could discuss it in the book when I may have not discussed certain things in the rhymes before. And on this album, Port of Miami 2, on records like Fascinated, I'm talking about different things I've never, I still pray. I'm talking from another perspective. Big homie, y'all wait out there for me. What was your first job? Um, man... You know, we was pushing buggies. By the time I was seven to eight, you know what I mean? It wasn't a real job, but it was actually going out seeking money. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? My dad used to get write, his, write down Benson and Hedges menthol light 100s. <laughs> I don't know how old I was. <laughs> I just used to run down to the corner store and hand that to the man. And whatever he gave me, I took it back home. And so I just got familiar with dealing with people and that's what I think made me a great businessman because on any level I could deal with things. Mm -hmm. What's the worst job you ever had? Um, man, I used to work for this landscaping company and boy. <laughs> Those summers days, are tough? Yeah, yeah. Hot, boy, hot Miami they, sun? They milked the butter from the duck. <laughs> I'm talking about... Man, I might have. It might have felt like I got fifteen dollars a day, mm. and when I tell you, man, we used to cut grass from six in the morning to. And when I say 
no breaks. Mm. No breaks. <laughs> and I remember we used to um, go up and I used to help out on this roofing company. That was crazy. Oh, summertime on the Imagine roof? Imagine a youngster. Yeah, 100 degrees in Miami. That tar, that shit will burn your foot off. Mm. You up there, don't know what the hell you doing. <laughs> you just, they put you on the roof. You just helping out. Whatever yeah. it is, I'm with you. You got a staple gun. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that shit was crazy. So, you were an All-American football player. Right, right. What did football mean to you as a young man? Like, did it, did it give you leadership capabilities? Did it teach you about teamwork? Did it know how to, like... Yeah, how were you in the locker room? Manage egos? Like, I think um, it taught me a lot of different ways. Because, you know, as a youngster, I never could play optimist football because I was too heavy. So... Yeah, you were, like, 100 pounds bigger than everybody yeah, else, right? right? Yeah, right, right, And so by the time I was in the seventh, eighth grade, I was a, you know... I was a big boy in the school. I was one of the ones that by the time I was in the eighth grade, I was almost, you know, me and my couple homies, we ran my middle school. Mm -hmm. You know, with my, you know. They made you stand in the back in school pictures. <laughs> nah, we, we barely made it to the school. So by the time I got to high school, I had to be retaught. You mean, you know, because I ran the middle school and, you know, I disrespected somebody on the football team. I'll never forget it. And, you know, he put his hands on me real decent. Real decent. Older somebody? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Much older. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant by nobody in my age group. But maybe even it took a junior or senior when I was a freshman. Really, the, the, the school year hadn't started. I was It was summertime. Yeah. You know, but they also seen that, you know, the leadership was in me. Because mm -hmm. I took it like a G, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I just let them know. You know, that really wasn't much. You know what I'm saying? I dust my shirt off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Older dude. But what, what, what it did establishing me amongst the rest of the freshmen and sophomores, it was priceless. I'd, I'd do it over. And did you see, like, a future for yourself playing football? I think um, I most definitely was special. I had that drive. What but position you, were you? I was a center. Mm. I was a center, you know, and I was an All-American, you know, I was a special dude. So offensive line, you got to work with your teammates. And yeah, you yeah, got, yeah, yeah. Not only that, you know, the same way I talk shit in music, that's what I did on the football field. Is that right? Yeah, I would walk <laughs> up and tell the, the nose guard, it's on three. <laughs> and they couldn't do shit. <laughs> but, you know, what I did to them. And so it's like you take their heart. And that was something that I just always did and loved to do, take you know, take somebody hard. And that's what I think I loved about hip hop. The battling, the challenges and going up against the world. And that's why, you know, I knew I would, if I got in the game, I knew I would go up against somebody that was, everybody thought was bigger than me, just as the excitement. And if I lost, I wouldn't have gave a fuck, but I, I knew I would win. Well, you took on some some hairy situations in terms of like early label deals, right? Yeah, most like definitely. what was your relationship with Tony Draper like? Um, it was real dope. You know what I'm saying? I really spent a lot of time with Draper. Um, how did he find you? How did you find him? I went and found him. You did? Yeah, that Suave House sound. I wanted to sign the Suave House. So you made your way down there? I drove to Texas. Straight straight away. Texas. Just you? What car? Tech. I forgot what we was in. Yeah. I forgot how we got there. How much gas we stole, <laughs> how many rest stops we stopped at, but I know we got there. You found Tony Draper. I found him. And what was your selling point? You just press play? Boy, 
I'm Rosé. I came to find you. I want to sign the Suave House. You better listen to me. I'ma change the game. Where T-Mix at? I need his sound. And when you go in, you listen to 8-Ball MJG on top of the world. If you Google it and play it right now, I'm sure you'll feel some of that, some of that rich forever lushness mm. coming out of that Memphis that I said, I need this. <laughs> Everybody can't rap on this. This sounds so rich. If I mix what I'm going to say on this, it's going to be mind-blowing. That's what I always felt. How many tracks did you have with you? Man, I, I went to Tony Draper's studio and recorded. I can't even remember. Did he, did he make lot. you rap like right then and there, like live? Oh, I, I, shit, I made him listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just wrote this far. You need to listen to some of these bars. Yeah. I'm talking about getting money. This ain't no regular... Miami twerking. I don't want to see a bitch dance. Bitch, I want to get some money. I'm trying to take over the whole game. And that was just my approach. And I spit some shit for him. And sh he was like, hey, here go my number. You call me. Oh, and I'm going to call you tomorrow. <laughs> and you did. I did. Yeah. What was your first show like? Um, was that the Outcast one? That was that was like one of my my first performances where they put me on the flyer and mm -hmm. you know I like still Willow got that yeah, yeah 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 opening up for Outkast yeah. we're at opening up Studio 183 man and that's where I, my Trilla album cover mm -hmm. I'm sitting in the back seat of my very first Maybach in this park right in front of Studio 183 damn that's why I did that up. damn what was so what was the reaction like man. You know they ain't really fuck with Rose. <laughs> <laughs> but did they fuck with Willow? <laughs> they, they, they ain't fuck with Willow at all. You know what I'm saying? That was just one of them things. They, you know, it, it's like the streets wasn't ready for that shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and whoever the promoter was was from somewhere else who promoted and brought Outkast. Yeah. You know, they needed a local act. Yeah. And that's how I got on it. Not because I was the shit or nothing like that. Yeah. They just know they needed a local act and they, and however I got it. Wow. And it was it was just Did you get to cross paths with Outkast at all or were no, they I just I just got I sat back yeah. and watched. You know what I'm saying? Cuz they had just really released Players Ball, mm. but I seen the vision. Yeah. I seen the vision. Oh, you, know, you thought was, the things were going to work out for them? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I knew I knew they was going to blow. Once I heard that sound, to me, the sound determines everything. Mm -hmm. it, this shit is different. Mm. That's just like when I did BMF, <laughs> you know, with, collaborating with Lex Luger. I told him, get ready. Your life finna change. Yeah. Yo. And it did. This shit is different. Yeah. Shout out to Spiff TV. Yeah, shout out to Spiff. That oh, project man. was, like, so different. Yo, so different man. for you, so different for this business. Yeah, it was super hella dope. What made you decide to get Styles on that? That's our man. Because I just felt like every day I'm hustling, this for the this for, you know, the ones who come from the mud. You know what I mean? And when I think about New York City, lyricists from the mud. L O X. Yeah, I, I most definitely think of Styles P. You know what I'm saying? Um and I sent it to him, he laced me, sent it right back, and I was <laughs> just like, yo, this is dope. Did you guys have a relationship before that? Yeah, every time we ever crossed paths, because I was always a fan of the locks. Mm -hmm. Anybody that was around B.I.G., I just wanted to ask you a few questions. <laughs> what was that like? Yeah. What he did in the studio? What did he smoke out of? You know, just, <laughs> just the weirdest questions. And 
Styles and Jada Kiss, they always gave me something I could leave with. That's why I always, you know, was a fan of the locks and I made that clear. And yo, they always gave me game. They always, you know, anytime you need something big homie, holler at me. I'm talking about out the gate before mm. I was solidified. So my love for them will be genuine. That's real. There's certain dudes who did things for me that they didn't have to, where if something ever presented itself, I would turn the other cheek and walk away because I'm that type of person. Even if I know if I could do it's certain people that I would walk away just because I remember what you did for me when you didn't have to do that. Yeah. And that means something to me. And so I just remembered all the times Locks kept it real. Locks kept who I'm going to put on this. And at that time, that record was, you know, just, you know, it had leaked and I had two verses on it. But let me finish it and do it the right way, release it. I'm going to put it on my album. I could have put anybody on that record. I wanted locks. I wanted the dudes that from day one. Did you do that record first or MC Hammer first? I wrote both of those records the same night. Is that right? Yeah. I landed in LA. I think Lex Luger made those beats the same night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We landed in LA and I got me some of the best weed ever. And we just I told the driver to drive me around the hills and just let me look at the houses. <sighs> and Spiff had the laptop. And was I say play the beats? Mm. And he was going through the beats, and that's how I came up with that. I was riding by a house. I say, God, damn. <laughs> and I asked the driver, "Hey, that's something I always do. As a driver, that this what affects your tip, not how fast you drive me, but how informative you are." So I ride by. I say, God damn, how much a house like that right there cost? <laughs> he say, Rick, that's about twenty five million. <laughs> I never forget it. I say, God. Damn, mm. that's that shit. MC Hammer was play that beat, <laughs> and that's how I came up with the whole chorus. God right damn, right then, and um, two or three beats between that BMF, cause you know that's what inspired me. You take so, that something about structures or some shit. I don't yeah. know. I gotta. I don't know. So, but you put that out as a mixtape. Yeah, I released I release because uh, BMF, one of those, had already leaked. Mm. So I put a body of work that I had quick. Was that Albert, Albert Anastasia? Anastasia? Yeah, Albert yeah. Anastasia. Love that. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the shit just kept growing and kept growing. And so Def Jam was ready for the project. I say, y'all ready they, now? They better be ready. <laughs> and, you know, I, I put together the Teflon Don. And, yeah. Well, Let's How did you sign to Def Jam? Yeah, so Shakir Stewart. Shakir Stewart came down. But he's one of a million people who are calling you up at that time. Right, right. Yeah, so, Atlantic was in the picture. But let's even go back before that, because Suave House right. and then Slip and Slide. Right. What was your relationship with Ted Lucas like? What, what you know, the Suave House situation was where uh, Draper got in a legal situation where he was preparing himself to, you never know what could happen. And he just pulled me to the side and said, big homie, I got love for you. I want to see you sharing. I made a phone call to them dudes in Miami, Slip and Slide Records. I'm going to put some money in your pocket. You ain't got to worry about nothing. You know, because he had gave me my first Rolex. And we Man. talked about doing a lot of things. And, you know, he stayed solid with me. That's why I love That's him really to decent. This day. Yeah. yeah, I love him to this day. And, um... Um, so I said slip and slide because, you know, I wasn't sure at first if they really understand the music I made. You know, of course. Well, Trick they knew Daddy, Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They knew, Trick, they Trina. knew Trick Daddy, but that still was the bass. Nah, nigga. I yeah. don't, 
And mine was all the way hustler music. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't have no booty shake music on my album, you got to know what to do with this because this is what, you know, I'm on. You know what I'm saying? And he told me, you know, I let him know, you know, I talked to him. So I, when I went and sat down with Ted Lucas, you know, he made it clear like, yo, I understand what you know, your vibe. I love your music. I'm going to help you. I say, okay, let's do it. Take him at his word. Yeah. 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 And so I, I, I actually signed with Slip and Slide. I had never signed with Suave House. Mm. Draper just took me under his wing and just was showing me love. Did anybody look over the contract for you? Who? Uh, when you went over to Slip and Slide? Did they? I don't even remember. Like, did you and have a they, lawyer or anything? And, and if I did have a lawyer, it, you know, it wasn't one that was like no career shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I was a youngster at the time and. I wasn't even, shit, I wasn't even sure I was going to get a deal. You know, because I'm sure if if me and Draper stayed down, it would have been a process and a slow process I was preparing for. Mm-hmm. Because I seen how he was letting me travel with him and just watch. Mm-hmm. Put me in the studio. He sent me out here with Eric Sermon. I sat in his, in his basement for a week. That's how Just Blaze met you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just, just. You know, dude sending me around, and I knew that would have been a dope, slow process, which I was prepared for. And then he, he let me know his brother went to prison, mm-hmm. got a 20-year sentence, and then he told me, yo, I don't want to hold you up. I made a call, whoop, 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 just going to put some paper in your pocket. I was like, damn, you going to be good? He was like, I ain't sure yet, big homie, but whoop, whoop, whoop. And I was like, I respect it. I'm going to do it. And I did it. So how did Slip and Slide play out? I mean... Not perfectly. Yeah, not great. No, no, no. I feel like, you know, and as I look back now, I got a lot lot of love and respect for Ted when I look back now, understanding the position he was in. Mm -hmm. All you know when you're coming from the streets is you're a record label and you should have everything and it's not like that. Well, when did you come to that realization? Because for a long time, you were not... Yeah, for a long time yeah. I was talking shit, dissing and everything. But that's before I understood the numbers of the business. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, you think <laughs> when you sign a record deal and this and that, yo, and all I did was believe in my music so much, I was like, somebody really fucking up and I'm not going to let this happen. Yeah. But then that thing propelled you forward, that, 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 that chip on your shoulder that you had with him, no? But you know what, you know what was dope about it was... He fed me and let me do that. Mm-hmm. He never once called me and said, Rose, I don't like how you doing this. I don't like how you speaking to me. And he could have easily did that because Ted is highly respected. Mm-hmm. Ted is a real Have certified. you spoken to him? Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted is a certified dude, but he was wise enough to know he just emotional. Right. He don't know. <laughs> One day he gone and he was patient. And once I began really sitting down with attorneys, let's go over this. Fuck that. Start over from the top. Let's go through. Oh, so this type of deal. Oh, this the type of deal, Ted. Oh, yeah. So he was spending a lot of his own money. Oh, because a lot of times you just assume Mm -hmm. who you signed to getting so much money and just 
going to eat lobster, right. not really doing the right thing, when that's not always the situation. A lot of times they be in a position where they have to break you, spend their own money, spend their own marketing, spend their own radio, and what if they not sure what the really direction to go with you? Yeah. They could love your lyrics and tell you your lyrics dope. You a dope MC. Yeah. But what if you don't have the right single? Right. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of dope MCs out there. Which I didn't have. Yeah. And I didn't realize I didn't have a fucking single. I just knew I had the dope records, the dope verses, everybody telling me every day. But I didn't have a single to every day a Muslim. So Port of Miami was supposed to come out on Slip and Slide for a long time. And you thought maybe you would just would shelve that and move on to something different, right? Maybe, possibly. Yeah. So how many how many records did you work on that actually made it onto Port of Miami like we know it right now? I'm not sure. Okay. And the reason I'm not is because once every day I'm hustling, connected with the streets, the tide turned. Now everybody said, let's listen to this shit again. Oh, I get it. Records like Pots and Pans mm -hmm. that wouldn't have had a chance nowhere else i get it mm. i see what it is okay that's the the other end of the spectrum from when you you hustling in the streets that's the downside now i get it so hustling comes out shout out to cypher sounds who brought it up here and made it ring from, off and just yeah. rock it out of here yeah. who's the first person who co-signed you that you were like off that record that you were like oh shit because i remember like we loved hustling by itself right but when Buster Rhymes jumped on that and did his remix, right. we were like, what the fuck? Right. Who was the first person to really, really like take notice of you and you were like, yo, this is major? Buster Rhymes was most definitely yeah. one of the first dudes that approached me, brought me to his crib and was like, you know, even before I had a deal, just was like, yo, I love your rhyme style. I love the vibe. I love the this. Woo, 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 woo. I want to see you, you know, and really showed me, gave me a lot of game. And that was genuine. And I hold him dear to my heart as well. And, and you grew up on him, right? So that had to be like just mind blowing. Of course. Yeah. I used to, you know, just the whole culture in general, it was no coast that was more important. I love music that much. I was from the South. I was from the, you know, but I grew up on East Coast music. Eric Sermon. Of course. EPMD. Of course. Yeah. You know, and that's where. Believe it or not, um, Jane. Remember Jane part one, part two, part three, part. That's what made me want to do that part three, part four, part. That's what it made about music five. Crazy. Hmm. Yeah, because I, I was like, yo, this is so dope. This next level. I got to do something like this. And <laughs> I never even, I just told myself I would have some shit that went on till it went into Roman numerals. <laughs> so your first album that you ever bought was... Um, Ice Cube, America's Most Wanted. Um, I'm not sure if it was the first album I ever bought. I'm not going to argue with you. I feel like <laughs> you know your life better than I do. Right, but... Or at least but Neil might, you know, that's whoever. most yeah. definitely... It's up there. Ice Cube was most definitely, maybe, if not my favorite rapper, one of my favorite two, you know, two, three rappers of all time. And you've met him? Of course. <laughs> well, I mean, you know... You know, with this industry, you never know. But so you've met him a couple times, I think. Yeah, I done bumped into him several times. You know, Tony, he was working with Tony Draper as mm, well. Mm. Have you, you've never worked with him though? No, I haven't. I haven't recorded with him. Did you ever like put that idea across or? I, I haven't. I haven't. It's like, 
um, you know, being a huge fan of someone and also coming up with something that you know will work and be dope yeah. is different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's just like me meeting Rakim. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I actually recorded something with Cool G Rap. What? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knife Fight. If you Google online, Knife Fight, Rick Ross, Cool G Rap is online. Wow. Um, But Rakim, of course, I met, and I was just like, yo, <laughs> he's super dope. I'm just chill. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, it was just one of those things. So, Hustlin's moving around. You start getting all those phone calls. What about Shakir and Def Jam stuck out to you? Just the um, just the fact that Shakir I actually seen in Miami before every damn hustling. Just around? Yeah, he yeah. used to. He was just one of those real A&Rs that used to be in Miami in the studio all the time. You would see him all the time. You know, just different places, Circle House recording studios mm-hmm. popping up, walking in different artists. So you seen him, and he was always cool. So when he finally approached me you know i was a little more open to him yeah so um you know he put me on the phone with jay-z and <laughs> you know la reed all that just everything just felt right and so i i, I decided to move with Def jam that was a good phone call with jay real good yeah real good, real good. <laughs> that had to blow your mind though on some level right of course you yeah know, that's the big homie yeah. even when we still talk sometimes i'd be like yo <laughs> you know what i'm saying that's, yeah that's dope you know he texted me last week you know, Santorini Greece, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, yo. Oh, because he was out there. He was out there, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I don't know if, you know, any pictures. I just got the text, what's up? Boy? Yeah. And I'm just like, yo, you know, so it just, it still be love is genuine. So you go over there and to that, Def Jam. That, right. Yeah, Def Jam, yeah. that album drops. Right. Does your life change in a matter of moments? Oh, man. It was official. You know, because at that time, a lot of people wasn't sure. How would this Rick Ross, you know, movement move because of the style, the vibe, where it's coming from, who going to really connect with it? And, man, I put my feet down. We went city to city, hood to hood. Well, you were already, like, moving around, like, off hustling. And even at the end of the recording process, like, when you're doing, like, Push It to the Limit, you hear yeah, yeah, yeah. your horse. I was doing <laughs> I Cooked. was doing four shows a night. Yo. I was going everywhere. I just wanted them. It wasn't even necessarily the money. It was like, man, I've been waiting on this shit over 10 years. I got a fucking record y'all want to hear. I went in the venues. They said, man, you're going to die if you're going there. It ain't no stage. you just on the floor and everybody, I don't give a fuck. I went in there before I even had security, before I needed, before I even know I needed security. Yeah. Because I was like, I don't need no security. Somebody <laughs> make me hear me. Eric, the whole club won't stop. Yeah. But no, nah, the security don't be for you. It be for helping these motherfuckers. Because you would come around and a girl would just damn faint or fall on you. <laughs> and you like, hold on. Like, yo, what's... That's what this. That's what that's for. Yo, you watched so many of your interviews from back then. There were so many that were centered around your sunglasses. Like it was like people just couldn't get past the fact that you had sunglasses on, that you had a different pair of sunglasses, that you had a lot of pairs of sunglasses all the time. <laughs> when did you figure out that that was going to be part of your image? That it was so important back then. Man, I just knew I wanted sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, in Miami, that was always the thing. Yeah. If you had paper, you had shades. Mm-hmm. You know, so the Porsche Carrera, anytime you seen rich 
homies on the street, they pulling up. They had the Carrera and the Carrera shades with the light blue tint, the light pink tint, the gold, whatever it was, that just went with Miami. Mm -hmm. So it was like, once you get your paper right, you got to have a shade collection. Yo, be real honest right now, and it could be any one of your lines, but is there any better opening line for a verse than got so many shades they thought I had a lazy eye? Mm. <laughs> That's most it's, it's, it's pretty hard. <laughs> one of the special ones, because it was true. Yeah. <laughs> Girls thought I was cross-sided and shit. They was like... It's okay. I'll give you a blowjob if you keep your shades on because I know you might not want me to see your eyes. No, thank you. You really told me. On. Not only did you assume, bitch, but you put the case on. Damn. Um, I we we're we're friends with with Todd Moskowitz. We're friends with Joey Ie. I know we saw TMZ put up a video of you in Los Angeles and the three of you guys, you and Todd and Joey, going out to eat. And we were watching that and we're just like, we were Ooh. at Def Jam. We're like, yo, a deal just went down right now. And you did that Maybach Music Group deal with Warner Brothers. Why'd you go over there and how mad was Def Jam? Um, I'm not really sure, but I knew I just wanted to put, you know, mm, What's a good way to? I had Def Jam sold up, so I want to start making moves in other places. You want to diversify? Yeah, most yeah. definitely. That's and, like on some RZA shit. Yeah. You know, and and is it? Yeah, because he put all like the different guys at different labels. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And so that's what I wanted to do, and no, that's what we did, and we stayed over there a few years with him. Yeah, until uh, it became Atlantic, but you got Wale over there. Yeah. You got Meek Mill over there. I got Meek Mill at Atlantic Records and Wale over at uh, Warner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember this. So the first time we ever met you was you were promoting uh, Self Made One. And so we were doing those funny MTV interviews. And we were at this thing called The Lodge, right? Within MTV, which is like their like hangout off the uh, Yeah, the 1515 Broadway. And so um, we were waiting for all four of you guys to show up. And you know, like, you're established. At that point. You show up first. And we're like, what is this? And then Wale shows up. And then Meek and Pill showed up like an hour late. And we're like, you're the young guys. You should be showing up like now. Anyway, you sit yourself down in this like vibrating chair. And you're just like enjoying the time while you wait. And Wale comes through. And we're just like chilling on the side talking or whatever. And Wale goes up to you and he's like, yo, Ross, I found me the next Lady Gaga. And I want to sign her through you. And all I ask for is my 2%. And the, the room just goes quiet, right? And you're sitting there and you're thinking in this vibrating chair and you look at him and you go, nah, you get 5%. You know why? Because you're a boss. And we were like, oh! We're like, you said it. <laughs> it was one of the greatest things ever. Not recorded. This was you. This was you talking to your man. And you That's were just, what I'm saying. Like, yeah. <laughs> He most definitely came to me a couple times. Like, well, that was that girl who ended up signing with like Rico yeah, Tierra Love or something. Yeah, Thomas, I want to say. Yeah, remember? Mm, but yeah. that was not to be. But very generous of you to give him 5%, yeah. you know? Had he done it. You know, you just, you know, I'm pretty sure I was being sarcastic. But <laughs> what was dope about it was the fact that when it's your homies, 
don't don't you know let's let's go even bigger yeah you know if you come to me and say this is big let's go even bigger you know what i'm saying yeah so wale's a really lyrical guy wale came up off that go-go he ran his city runs his city right the biggest rapper to come out of his city it didn't work in interscope they took him in a different direction and all of a sudden he was a free agent and you picked him up what did you see and what did you want from him as one of your artists you know just me being a fan and a a, a true fan of of hip-hop so when i was coming up listening to a tribe called quest and um jay dilla and you know five dog was just one of my favorites you know that electrical relaxation and just all that shit <laughs> I could go word for word with. But I always put Wale in that class of MC. That, you know, it was it was different, you know, genres. He was always to me that hip hop college head, sneaker head, you know, and I was always a fan of that and I wanted to see that, you know, over at MMG as well. And I'm glad I followed my heart because a lot of people would have seen him just come off a major release mm -hmm. and not be successful and let that deter. Because at that time, I was the biggest artist in the game, you know, one of the biggest. And I was could have got label deals and could have signed anybody. But I followed my heart and I signed Wale as well as Meek Mill, mm -hmm. who was also been around several labels. T.I. label was yeah, yeah. Yep. And, and I never let none of that deter what I seen in him, you know? And so that's what it is. I think what also with Pill, though? You know, Pill was never directly signed to MMG. He was signed to Warner Brothers, right. Todd, and Joey IE already. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they gave me a bag of money play and said, Rose, put him in rotation with the squad just to heat him up. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I put him on a few records. Mm -hmm. You know, we was doing freestyles and viral videos yep. every day. And I just kept him around, you know, until I realized he didn't really want it as mm -hmm. much as I did. Yeah. Were there any records that uh, you held on to for your solo stuff that you were like, you know what, maybe I'll put this on the compilation? A lot of times, maybe. A lot of times it's like that. It's a lot of times um, it could be samples not being cleared or whatever it is, and something may not make a deadline, and but it's dope as fuck, mm -hmm. and everybody in the room love it. Let's 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 do this joint. Yeah. And and to me, that's what when you're doing compilations and group albums, that's what it's about. It's like yo, let's take a few days, let's link up, and everybody play the best shit they got. Let me hear all the production you done collected from all the beat, and let's, that's what it's about. Let's listen. Yeah. For hours, let's just listen to beats. Is it true? We've heard this. Yes. Is it true that when you listen to beats, or maybe they, this once was true, I don't know, but you would sit and you would do your ad libs over the beat to make sure they sounded right? I still do that. Do you really? Yeah. Like ad libs first and then... Like, no, it's, yeah. like, it's like if the beat come on and I'm feeling it almost in my mind, I'm already... What, what should this feel like? What should this even mean? What would the video be? And if I'm feeling it, you know, I'm not just a freestyler, but if I'm feeling it, <laughs> I start, <laughs> you know, putting things in certain places and knowing, okay, this is where the word should be, this with this, right here, this, and then I just gotta find a way to do it. Mm. Um, another rumor, uh, we heard that you recorded into a cell phone, you recorded vocals into a cell phone while you were getting tatted up. I still do that. 
For reference or actual audio? I will use it. It depends on how it sounds. That's dope. It depends on how it sounds because, you know, uh, finishing my first album, I was on the road. You stop and you rent studios. I rented some studios in the shittiest places you could ever imagine. Overseas, fucking Kentucky. <laughs> I done pulled over like, yo, you got to have this in by tomorrow. The night, eight o'clock. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's going to... Hold up. We found your studio. It's right over here. It's in Campbellton, Kentucky. <laughs> and when you pull up in there, you say, oh, my fucking God. This... So you got to learn. Or you just got to make yeah. it do what it do. <laughs> you were in Europe. This is, a, this is one of our collective favorite videos on the Internet. You were on Europe. You were um, doing a, a tour, and you were doing a tour diary. And you were... It starts off where you're talking to the camera and you're just like, I'm not fucking getting any sleep <laughs> because you're on the you're on the tour bus and, and this security guard, this guy who was like a refrigerator with a head would not stop singing the OJs. <laughs> I cry. We cry together. Yeah. And your camera guy, I don't know who was doing it, Spiff or, or one of the other guys caught him at three and three in the morning, whatever. Singing his heart out. <laughs> but you were so honest in your heartbreak because you're just like, all I want to do is get some sleep. sleep. <laughs> and it's because, have you ever met somebody who couldn't help themselves? And he said it. Like, I can't help it. I thought it was a bit. This is real? It's, it's real as hell. That motherfucker really sang. We oh, no, I saw him Jody. sing. <laughs> Boy, Jody need his girl. Back. And he used to tell us his day wouldn't go good if he didn't, like, express himself. It was 3 a.m. This is security. Yo. Like, I want your day to go good. <laughs> but what the fuck you got to do? And just sing songs we like. And I told him, you could go on the tour and sing. <laughs> and you never thought, like, it would be serious. Yo. Yeah. You never thought like a motherfucker would sing for three hours. <laughs> we thought, cry together. Yeah, sing, yeah. sing a couple songs, you know, <laughs> sip a little brown, you know, then you watch TV and then you go to sleep. Yo. Nah. <laughs> I was like. Yo, this shit really crazy. One of our other favorite videos on the entire internet is your man Gunplay. Went to Six Flags, Great Adventure, and had the time of his life. I don't know what he was on. Yeah, <laughs> could have been on multiple things. <laughs> we told him, we, we had him on the podcast like maybe four years ago, like this week, right? And we were like, yo, first time we saw you was at a French Montana concert. And, you know, everyone came out and you were on the side of the stage and you didn't move. You looked like a statue. And he was like, I was probably on a cocktail of like five different drugs. <laughs> Gunplay is one of the most fascinating people we've ever met. He's one of the funniest people we've ever met. We, had, we went to Currency's birthday party last year in, in, in New Orleans, right? Rooftop. It's supposed to be black tie and everyone gets dressed up. It wasn't up. black tie. It was not black we tie. We were dressed up way too much. We were the only much. guys. We looked like a lawyer and an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all probably got some money that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I know, yeah. yeah. Currency wasn't even dressed up. Yeah. Gunplay was there and we're like, oh, let's go say what's up to him. We walked up and we're like, yo. We're, it's the real. You came to our apartment. You sat down with us, talked about everything. He was just like, okay, fan. Yeah, nice yep. to meet you. Whatever. <laughs> we're like, gotcha. All right. Good yep. to see you. <laughs> you know Gunplay since you guys were teenagers, right? 
he told us, by the way, he always recognized that you were the leader and he was going to play his position and he was always going to back his man up. How do you feel about gunplay in your heart? Love him to death. Love him to death. That's why he on album number 10, right, right by my side. Yeah. 10 albums later. Man. And the name of the record is Nobody's Favorite. We love each other, homie. We all we need. Fuck them all. All day long. And right there, that's when we hug each other. <laughs> that's real. Real language. You better believe it. That's a good human right there. Shit, you got I feel me. like you, you keep a lot of the same guys around for a long time. Shit, you. You know, it's just really about all the dudes that deserve it. That's what loyalty is. You know what I'm saying? When you get in a position of power, um, you could go and meet and hang out with new people every day if you wanted to. But if you think what, that's what it's about. You got a lot to learn. Well, Did plays? anybody leave your side during like when the internet turned on you or like during like different dicey periods in your life? I don't really remember. You know, that wasn't really what I was looking for at that time because I knew, you know, if you count me out, you're going to, it's a bad bet. I just always been one of those dudes. It's a bad bet. And, mm, you know, if they played themselves to the left, it was inevitable anyway. Mm -hmm. you know what so, I mean? so Gunplay is somebody who's solid. You, you know what I mean? Since you were teenagers. Better believe it. That's easy. That's a friend. That's a real life friend. You better believe it. You get into this music business and it's like people can be fake. People are opportunists. It's transaction based. It's give and take, right? Who are some real friends that you made in this music business? Oh, man. Man, I've been blessed. Of course, Gunplay Murdoch. Meek Mill is my friend. Wale is my friend. You know, we did business. You know, I signed those dudes in 2010, 2011, maybe. Mm-hmm. It's 19, you know? Yeah. And for us to still be getting money together, getting business together, you know, it's a little more to it. And I'm proud of Meek in this situation and the big homie Jay for believing in Shout out to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Dream huge. Chasers Rock Nation. Yeah, you better believe it. That's huge. But it's also huge for MMG just showing the youngsters this is what the platform can do. This is what it's capable of. And to me, that's, that's dope. Yeah. Um, what were your relationships with uh, the following executives like Craig Kalman, Julie Greenwald? How did everyone in Atlantic treat you? Craig Kalman, that was just business. Yeah? Yeah. What about um, Lior? Lior, me and Lior was cool. Yeah? Yeah, he the first one took me to uh, what that is. Art Basel. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In your city? In my city. You know I'm not with that. <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't move around out there? <laughs> I wasn't just going to that shit. Like, all the it weird, wasn't you and you Swizzy know. just like checking out all the Basquiat's? Nah, that, uh, the very first time I went to Art Basel, um, Leo took me. As soon as I went into the, walked into the room, um, A-Rod was buying a piece maybe a little smaller than that mm. for $7 million. And I said, oh, <laughs> they not going to get Rosé. This shit robbed You scammed. Oh, it's a setup. It's the Fed. You know, I blame everything. Oh, yeah, it's, no. yeah. Oh, no. it's Neil. It's Neil. <laughs> Neil, they trying to trick. How about L.A. Reed? L.A., that's my home. Yeah. yeah. Well, what did, what, did he, what did he teach you about being an executive? He just, everything, he believed, Rose, whatever you want to do, let's do it. 
that was basically it. <laughs> just open up the budget. Yeah. yeah. And I, I kept bringing number ones. Do you think that what also separated you, besides your lyricism, besides the fact that you were able to find the right beats, and by the way, you are one of the great... Let me get another cold water, too. What time is it? You are, it's a uh, quarter to 11. Woo! <laughs> Y'all boys this done is, milk rosé. This is, this is the biggest episode, we promised you. I love it. Besides you being one of the great beat pickers of all time, you're a marketing maven. Mm. You're somebody who has the vision from the beginning. So when it comes time to sit down with a room full of creatives at the label, you get up there and you have a whole presentation and speech ready? I used to do that. Yeah. I don't do that no more. Any reason? Because I don't need to. They understand what it takes to roll your album out? send one person to deliver the message. That's how we going to do it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All that motivating and all that screaming. Mm-hmm. Standing on tables. Fuck. You know that? Yeah. It's Rosé, man. Yeah. We deliver number ones. You know what I'm saying? We come and we really win. Yeah. You know, the artists we put on in the game really become the biggest artists in the game. You dig? And mm-hmm. I feel like um, if an artist wanted as much as I do, and if he get me to believe in him for one, I know it's... It's, it's, it's possible. And, and when you really believe in yourself and don't doubt it, it's hard for somebody to turn you around. Um, I read somewhere that you, you were printing up so much stuff for like street team stuff that all these labels, like you, 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 you bought the business and all these labels started reaching out to you for your street team. Of course. Shout out to Lex Promo. Now he's more independent, but I hired the one guy really that we had in the streets in Miami in Miami yeah and we and we printed so many towels and posters (laughs) and they said god damn (laughs) it wasn't nothing for me just to spend 10,000 a month just on posters t-shirts yo I'm like yo we gotta make these people know this shit the biggest shit ever they gotta know but you were not only making your stuff hot, you were making everybody else hot. Yeah. <laughs> you just love the culture. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. It's just like it's just like having knowledge and not speaking to no one. What the fuck you got it for? Mm. It's like having, you know, style and not getting dressed. <laughs> Why have it? Mm-hmm. When did you first meet Khaled? Um Years, 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 years before my first release. Always the same years guy. Before his, yeah. You know what I mean? Skinny. Listen, well, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, years before listening his first album. You know, when he was just first getting established mm-hmm. at radio. Yeah. Maybe even before he got on radio on my. So before ninety nine jams. He was always, you know, on the local music vibe. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He was doing more producing than. Yep. Than radio. Beat Novocaine. Yeah, Beat Novocaine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He produced uh, one on my first album. Yeah. yeah. And then you got on. Listen to the album. You got on um, uh, We Global. I mean, everything. Everything. You guys are always, like, together. Um, oh, and, are we going to talk we, about my favorite thing, though? Yeah, but we, we, and we know that you guys are friends. But when you take it to Instagram... When, when you guys both first joined Snapchat, and you would show up in each other's Snapchats, 
getting on like each other's uh like a jet ski to his house and then you would uh get dinner from his private chef go back to your place have dinner at your private chef <laughs> it was amazing it was it, like it was my favorite thing you could watch your feed and get a whole like, timeline and then watch his and get a different timeline Khaled and then, gets a lot of credit for his snapchat yours was better ferrari fat boy i thought you were gonna give me a high five right yeah. there <laughs> Yo, it was, it was classic. The crossover yeah. episode. That, 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 that Ferrari fat boy was most definitely special. You know, we was just having fun when Snapchat first came out. I forgot how many years ago that was. Like yeah, five, yeah, six, like that. Yeah, yeah. Five. yeah. But you're in your house too, by the way. Yeah, when you were on house arrest, I'm sorry that you went through it. Right, right, right. But it was such good content. <laughs> it was, was it? it was amazing. I don't remember any of it. Yo, yeah, there was one where it was pitch black. Well, first of all. You would go on the escalator for fun. You would just be like, I'm, I'm you know, riding the escalator or elevator? I'm riding the elevator. Yeah. I think you have both, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there was one where you were, it was a completely black screen. You see one line of text and it just says, sitting in the dark with my dudes. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> you had all your books around. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. First, first editions. Um, your horses? Amazing. How, how many horses you got? Four or five now. What are their names? Man, I forget their names. <laughs> I just make up new names <laughs> you know? every time I come back. See, that's what I thought and when it comes to like your cars, when it comes to or do you do you keep the same names for your cars? You know, it's certain ones that the names are solidified. Yeah. I, I'll never forget. Because Khaled makes them up for like he's his like, shoes. We call this the greatest. <laughs> and it's just like, no, you don't. No one calls of, their shoes anything. A lot of times, you know, you just be vibing. Yeah. So, but but you guys really go to each other's house. You're real life friends. Yeah, that's my homie. I love that. That's day one. Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys speak the same language. Like yeah, yeah, when, when you get together and you get on a record, you don't even need to say anything to each other. You just know what it is. No, I know what it is. When he bring it to me, it's a done deal. Yeah. I got him. So you've had your tattooist for forever. I'm I guessing. Hope. Your tattoo guy? Man, my, my, my last homie that I was letting tattoo me, man, he, he passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear my that. My homie Boo from the West Coast. He man. was with you like he was the your yeah, first guy. He I most definitely had a lot of different tattoos, but that was the last dude I was rocking with mm. for maybe the last year, year and a half. Who was the guy that um, you let him like practice on you? Because, Gino. Yeah. Okay. So Gino, yeah. you said he would. Um, he gave you like a lot of your first tattoos and stuff. A lot of my first ones. Cause you met him when he uh, did your we Tims. Was young, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We was young. You said that he screwed up on you a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> How did he screw up? Just a lot. I asked for something and he had misspelled words <laughs> and all kind of shit. It's he still on you? Yeah, we'll be sitting on the porch. A lot of them I let them do over, but thank God it's like. Even the ones that I could barely understand, they still mean so much to me because I remember where I was at. Mm-hmm. You know, is millionaire spelled correctly? I hope. <laughs> I hope it is. Remember when Crooked Eye got Slaughterhouse misspelled on his yeah. on his arm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of times you be drinking, smoking, just want to yeah, relax. or recording an album. Yeah, recording, uh, or you doze off. Yeah, I done been on you know drinking some. And, damn, what all you did? You know, and they got to show you, so. Um, what do you remember about that cover shoot for XXL when you were not wearing a t-shirt and you were just all out there prominently? Shh, I don't even remember that. You don't remember that? Flo Rida was on there. Maybe Khaled was on there. It was oh, a yeah, South yeah, Florida Trina, thing. Trina, Trina yeah, 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 yeah. It was a South Florida thing. It was just cool to me. 
We was in North Miami somewhere, Miami Beach somewhere. Who told you to take the shirt off? I don't, I don't no, I, I guarantee that you did not show up with the shirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's a good chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, it really is. A question I once asked Fat Trell. I said, "Where's the fanciest place that you showed up shirtless?" He said that he went to Ruth Chris with a couple of Redskins. <laughs> Where is the fanciest place that you have been shirtless? Shh, man, I can't even. Remember. <laughs> man, Rose, man, <laughs> Fat Boy. I done pulled up so many places. And- <laughs> They embrace me. Yeah. They really do. Did anybody turn you away for having a shirt on, shirt off? I'm sure I have. <laughs> I'm sure I have. A lot of people told me my ass cracked short. <laughs> shorts, please. Don't do this. And mm-hmm. I was like, all right. <laughs> That's your loss. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's Rose. I know that there were lots of times that you said you were going to do an album with somebody else. You and Drake were going to do the YOLO album. Right. Um, you and Birdman had the H album. Right. Um, there might have been other people. Those albums never came out. Mm-hmm. Did you put in the work to actually do the album? No, no, no. Me and Drake, that was just something that we spoke on. We always did dope collaborations. And still do. Yeah, still do. Yeah. So yeah, would you do? Out tonight, I guess. Right? Yeah. yeah. 12 a.m. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I got to, you know. But um, um, we always do dope shit. Always did. You know, me and me and Stunner, we recorded a lot of different records, shot a lot of virals. Them being in Miami, that's when I really got close to Young Money. You know, the whole movement, and um, it was just you know something we always put out there because I always want to keep being creative. That was something I always wanted to do. So those was just the homies that I kicked it with. Yeah. Um. So you and you and Birdman obviously were at you know loggerheads like certainly the last couple of years, where do things stand now? Is there any relationship? No, it's just... You ever run into each other? It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just focused on mine, man. August 9th is really the vibe. Port of Miami, too. Yeah. I love it. You know what I'm saying? And I really can't even... Stunner, you know, just... He was the big homie. I always got down with him, but I had to do my own thing. Port of Miami, too. You had that hunger from a first album standpoint, right? Nothing can duplicate you in that moment being you and and putting your whole life story out there right now. With this new album, 10 years later, 12 years later, whatever it is, how, how are you talking? What is that vibe and what does that energy emanate from? I just feel, you know, really the street's gonna have to feel it. They gonna have to determine, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. um, I'm most definitely excited to see the project hit the streets, and I feel they gonna fuck with it. Um, I really do. You have features on there, yeah. Like um, a lot of different big homies, a lot of dudes I'm fans of. You know, Wayne, Wayne, Push. Um, I put a record together. We'll have to see if it, you know. If it hit the streets, but that's something I would love to see. But you know, Wayne is, you know, that's family. Is mm-hmm. that is that um, Green Gucci suit on there? No. All right. Still a fire, still yeah, a fire it was, song. It was, cool. yeah. it was a cool release. I like that. Well, so that came together because of a conversation you had with Dapper Dan. Yeah, that was something that that was just dope. That was just hip hop shit. Yeah. That's all that was. But, I need to put this phone on the charger. Yeah. yeah. I got to get on this line, baby. Yeah. We finna yeah. release a big yeah. record. Yeah. What time is it? It's a, uh, almost 11. Almost 11. What's another song that came together because of a conversation? Um, the, the record I'm releasing 12 a.m. 
Gold Roses, that was a conversation that me and Drake had speaking to Nipsey. Mm-hmm. And what came up was just, you know, me hoping he had an idea of how he, how much he imp- impacted not just the culture, not just hip hop, but the world. And that's when Drake said, you know, I, I wish I get to smell my flowers while I'm here. Mm. And that's where that came from. The conversation. Go Roses. You, you didn't end up signing Nipsey to MMG. Right. But from what we heard from different people, it was always an ongoing conversation. Um, how come it didn't go that way? You know, really, I was young at the time. I had just started going to Cali, ran into him, and I just felt this vision. I just felt this drive. I knew he would be somebody that was going live his dreams out. Mm-hmm. I seen that, and I put the you know the offer on the table for him and another young dude, Dom Kennedy. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to establish Double MG on the West Coast. I wasn't coming out there as much. I wasn't traveling as much. I ain't have you know as many connections as I I do now. You know what I mean? And, you know, that didn't, we didn't close that deal, but we stayed in touch and just always spoke on other different things. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was always, the love was always genuine and it was there. You and Jay-Z have this amazing relationship. Right. Um, I think it's two legendary businessmen, two legendary rappers, two legendary humans who relate to each other on a, just a different level. Um what have you gotten from Jay as a friend that has just like kept you moving through 10 years of this business? Man, really, really, it's just the inspiration. It ain't necessarily nothing he got to say. If you're a real hustler, he done did and said enough mm-hmm. for you to take something and multiply it. You know what I mean? Would you like to see a book from him? Um, you know, uh, I'm sure it would be dope. I'm sure it'd be dope. Khaled book was dope. Gucci book was dope. Mm-hmm. You know, I just read books. Yeah, yeah. I like. I like. You got books. your first editions. Yeah, yeah. I got my, and I got my own coming. So you know yeah, what I'm yeah. That's the, that's the beginning of another. When is Hurricanes movie. coming out? Um, September, September, real soon. What does South Florida mean to you? Uh, the world. Still. Yeah, of course. It's the number one. It's the number one city in the goddamn Miami, baby. Three hundred five in my yayo, baby. <laughs> Do you like what SoundCloud rap is? I don't know what that is. All right. <laughs> I don't know what SoundCloud rap is. Let me get that, that phone big on me. You've been on some, man, some fire remixes that we just love. Promiscuous Girl is, is a fire verse yeah, by you. Love, um, what's the, the Rihanna, Rihanna one? one? Yep. Yeah. Um, one. Yo, it's hard. I um, always love remixing those R&B joints. It's just great. Because I always wanted the Adele joint I remixed. Yeah. Um, it was just so many. Because I always felt I just wanted to let them know, yo, I do this too. Holler at me. Holler at me. I you fuck with too. you fuck with like R and B dudes? Like you've had John Legend on, on your I shit. Love John Legend. You've had uh the Dream I love the Dream. Neo, yeah. Omarion. Yeah. 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 I, you know, I'm a fan of R and B music. Like yeah. I said, that you grew was up my on first it. right. That you still listen to it in your cars? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I listen to more R and B than What's your favorite R and B city? R&B city. Yeah. You mean like Detroit or like Memphis, Memphis, yeah. Philly. You know, I love, you know, I love. You love Memphis. I love Memphis. I'm always yeah. in Memphis. It's something about Philly. I love Philly. I think the chicks in Philly got something on me. <laughs> the lazy eye. Um, <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Port of Miami too. Port of Miami too, baby. August 9th. August 9th. Hurricane's out soon. And it's coming. Listen. 
Ross. We really, really appreciate you coming through. This has been a long time coming. In a we, long conversation. A long, I'm going to be supporting y'all you know, all the way through, man. Next time I come through, I want to come sit with you. Let's go. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste Time with It's The Real. Jeff, people want to find out more about us. I'm Eric with the curly hair. You're Jeff with the glasses. Together, we are It's The Real. No apostrophe. No spaces. If people want to find out more about this podcast of ours, it's called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. If people want to find out more about what's going on with us, where can they go you can always go to it's the real.com i-t-s-t-h-e-r-e-a-l.com sign up for our newsletter over there buy some merch you can also listen to all of our old episodes and our new ones go to any streaming service including the one that you're currently listening to our podcast on right now also we are on social media at it's the real on twitter at it's the real on facebook at it's the real on instagram jeff this is the part of the podcast where we love to shout out our supporters who are you shouting out today well this is a florida episode i want to shout out a bunch of cities that a bunch of our supporters are from port st Lucie, jacksonville orlando miami lando lakes marathon i want to shout out pompano beach deerfield beach boca raton bradenton orange city hialeah and Payne city florida jeff i want to shout out two of our youngest supporters both of them from our nation's capital washington dc home to the wizards home to the nationals home to nadia and sophia who stopped by the apartment last week it was nadia's birthday it was a day before your birthday i'm glad that they stopped by because they told us a lot of things including that they were going to see the lion king that they ran into hawaii mike in the subway and that they are moving to brooklyn so we're looking forward to seeing our new neighbors nadia and sophia all right so something to look forward to shout out to our guy caduce as always, guys, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week. Right.